0: The group that did not get to go to spring break. You're all part of a very illustrious group. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome. Come on in from the outside here. You're, you're part of a be- beautiful fellowship. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, let the name of the Lord be praised. And we do that here. We participate in the body of Christ, which is all around the world some places celebrating joyfully, some places in peril, some places in hiding. And uh, God is good. In our little prayer thing this morning, one of the things, it's, it's 2023, right? A.D., Jesus born about 1989, 1990 years ago. And the calendar's debated for about six years or so. So about 1990 years ago, Christ was born How much has changed since then? We've got technology, we've got buildings, we've got different things, and uh, almost everything literally has changed, but one thing has never changed. God will never change. His Word is always the same. His promise, His kingdom, His love, his body, his truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life, and we just celebrate Jesus, and thank you so much for being here. If you're a first-time guest, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're part of our fellowship, wonderfully welcome to you. Uh, There's actually a partner class that's gonna be coming up. um, That'll be part of the announcements too. So if you'd like to join and help us serve here and reach out to people to lift up Christ so all can be drawn to him, we'd like you to do that. my name is Mike Dorn. I'm one of the elders here. If you have a question, look for staff. Look for people here up on stage. Look for me. Ask questions, and we'd be, we'd love to help you. There's information on the, um, on the backs of the chairs. There's a discovery or information, a greeting table, connections at the back. If you have needs or you have something to give and offer, please go back there. Fill out a card and help us to serve the Lord. This is the last week of our discovery groups. Anybody, raise your hand. Have you enjoyed the discovery groups like I have? Raise your hand. They're wonderful. Stick around after the, after, the ser, after the sermon, after the donuts, and join us in a Discover group. And if you want to continue that type of spirit, we have small groups that will be spinning off from that, and those will be, those will be a blessing as well. You can ask us about that, or you can just uh, keep watching for the news. For the men, Pub Theology is this Tuesday at 6.30. Noah Matthijs, Noah, the only Noah we probably have here, Noah's the one who knows about that. That's at Hudsonville Grill at 6.30. This is Holy Week. Maundy Thursday. I can't, I can't define exactly what Monday is. I think it goes along with Passover. Maundy Thursday, we have a very special invitation to celebrate a memorial type of a dinner, type of a feast thing. There's information on that at the tables and on our, our website and on our app. And after Monday, Thursday, uh, Good Friday. Good Friday, there will be a service here. And that's at 7 p.m. It'll be a time of remembrance, reflection, somber, love, and just peace in the truth of our, our, our Lord and Savior. Nursery will be open, and it'll be staffed for the kids. Sunday is our Easter service, Resurrection Sunday. There's an egg hunt for the kids. That'll be part of their discovery time or their, or their Sunday school time. And the, that will be a part of the program uh, time of the service. So they'll do that, bring the kids, and have some fun there. And that partnership class is April 23rd. April 23rd is where that starts. We're going to enter into the courts of the Lord with praise. Our our lovely uh, worship group here, Pastor Dennis, is here. So thankful you're here. Praise God.
1: Amen. Let's go in standing as we worship, as we praise God today.
2: them are Praise, you sent the darkness running out of an empty grave seated alone in glory, enthroned on the highest praise, you sent the darkness running. There is no higher name, Jesus. You reign above it all. Let all of heaven and the earth erupt in song. Sing hallelujah to the everlasting one. There is no higher name, Jesus.
1: sending your Son, paving the way for our lives to be set free through Jesus' death on the cross. Thank you for what this day stands for, the beginning of Holy Week, the start of a journey towards the power of the cross, the victory of the resurrection, and the truth that Jesus is our King of Kings. Hosanna, we sing. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord give you praise and honor today Jesus we give you worship for you are holy and just we declare that you your love stands forever your loving kindness endures endures forever thank you that your ways are greater than ours your thoughts are deeper than ours thank you that you had a plan to redeem to make all things new you and we bless you lord god you truly reign reign above it all you through you we are more than conquerors through jesus in your name we pray amen amen you guys can take a seat
3: Well good morning. It is good to see everyone this morning. Good to be back. So today we are going to finish up yes, that's how I feel. We, uh, I mean, I took the red eye home. Uh, we did not have a flight over the last week that was not delayed or canceled. So uh, it, was, it is by the Lord's grace that, that we are here this morning, so thankful for that. Um, t- today we're going to be looking at Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and we're going to be continuing on uh, our, our journey through this Lenten season, uh, sent on a journey of peace. So as most of you probably know, Palm Sunday is today, and it's a special day on the church calendar because it's a day that we celebrate both a finale and an inauguration, an ending and the beginning. The ending of hostilities and estrangement between Creator and creation with the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. The beginning of a new and eternal kingdom that will have no end, that will be inaugurated at the resurrection. Palm Sunday. It's very much like a graduation. We're entering into graduation season. Amy and I are we're in the throes of planning for two graduations, Caleb from Grand Valley in April, Michaela from Jenison High School in, in May. And Palm Sunday reminds me of a graduation because it, it feels like this. It feels like an ending. But it actually is the inauguration of a beginning. It feels like something is, is coming to an end, which is true, right? It's, it's, there's this journey that we, we enter into, and, and it's just like all of those folks who sit in commencement ceremonies all over the country and the world who await those words that every graduate longs to hear, you may now turn your… It feels like the end of something because in some ways it is. It's been the end of a journey. I I look at Jesus' ministry and I wonder to myself, was Jesus Canadian? Because it only took him three years to get to this commencement time where here in the U.S. it takes us four or five when we're getting through college. But nonetheless, regardless of of how we feel when we're sitting, waiting for that announcement, it's not an ending, it's the beginning as those of us who have been through those ceremonies can attest, right? You, you think that this is the end of some kind of accomplishment, but you realize very quickly once you get that first job, once you enter into co- your career, once you, as Amy talks about me all the time, once you become a professional student who seeks to just to, sort of collect all those caps and gowns and all of those things, that it's a commencement for a reason, that we're starting something anew. As Jesus of Nazareth rides through the streets, Of Jerusalem that day. We see people laying down their coats, laying down the palm branches, rolling out the red carpet, and they begin to chant. I don't know whether you have ever been in a situation, I have not, where people have chanted your name or they have chanted for you, uh, but I can imagine it would be the best day of my life. Many, many years ago, over 20 years ago now, a friend of, of, of mine got some free tickets to an Ohio State football game. Okay, now cue the boos the and the cheers from the backside. Here we go. All right. But it was the, it was the first game of a fellow by the name of Maurice Clorette who was a running back for Ohio State in, back in the early 2000s, the same year that they won the national championship under Jim Tressel? And I remember sitting in the stadium that day with what was then a record for the horseshoe, somewhere just under 106,000 people packed in a stadium. And I remember standing there with my buddy Justin as at the end of that game against the Washington State Cougars, 106,000 people began to chant an 18-year-old boy's name. And I looked at Justin and I said, how do you handle this when you're 18 years old? And sadly, my friends, history has shown us how dear Maurice Colrette handled that. Jesus enters Jerusalem to the chance, and not just chance of his name, chance of a Savior. Hosanna literally is a declaration of salvation. The Savior is here. Savior, 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 Savior. Savior, they chant as they lay down their cloaks, as the colt of the donkey walks through the streets of Jerusalem. Finally, the people were saying, finally, God has made good on His promise. Finally, God will overthrow those who oppress His people. Finally, the Romans will see and experience what it feels like for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that was promised of old to arrive and deliver His chosen people. Finally, those who have been nobodies like us all of these years, all of our lives, will experience what it's like to be somebody's. for the Messiah, the Christ, has arrived." When Jesus arrived in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, my friends, two millennia ago, he signaled an ending to a two millennia long awaiting. You see, when Jesus entered the city that day, when the people began to chant, Joel, you're going to have to advance these slides for me, buddy. It's not working up here. When Jesus arrived... He arrived as Messiah, but the problem was, as we have often said over the last several months, the Messiah that they expected wasn't the Messiah that they needed. Jesus was just who they needed, come to alleviate their deepest, darkest problems, but their real problems wasn't the problem that they thought it was. You see, they thought the story was ending with a warrior king coming to defeat an oppressive earthly empire that had ruled over them for many, many years. But what was actually happening was the beginning of a whole new chapter for God's story with His people. It was an opening up. It was a defeating of the problem that had plagued them since the exile from the garden and not just them, but all of humanity. You see, we can't We can't really understand what was taking place there on that day as Jesus was entering Jerusalem for His final few days until we really understand what their problem was. And once we understand what the problem was with them, we have to understand what it is with us. What Jesus was coming to deal with was the sin problem that had estranged them from their God, from their world, from one another, and even from themselves. Jesus' triumphal entry on that day, the day we now call Palm Sunday, was rooted. It was rooted in a common history that we all humans share, but it's also rooted in a history that was specific to the people who chanted for Jesus on that day, a civil, a theological a historical, and a prophetic context that Jesus has come within. You see, we can't understand that surrounding context, my friends, until we understand the words of Zechariah the prophet in Zechariah 9, nine, And we can't understand those words until we understand what leads us to those words. Zechariah was a prophetic figure who appeared uh, post-exilic Israel, meaning that at the tail end of their exile in Babylon, Zechariah pops onto the scene, and and he's there. and, And his ministry primarily took place as the Israelites were returning to Jerusalem from the Babylonian exile. It begins by signaling that the 70 years of Babylonian exile were almost up. The story of Zerubbabel rebuilding the temple, of Ezra and Nehemiah coming to bring the people, or call the people back to God and to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. The prophecies of Haggai and the end of the book of Daniel, where Daniel uh, shows us what it means to repent for sins that he didn't actually commit, but was being exiled for. All orbit around the prophecy of Zechariah. The opening scene shows a warning from the prophet to the people that says, Don't be like your ancestors whose disobedience prompted judgment that ended in exile. Part of the backdrop of the prophecy is the people that had endured judgment for sin of their parents and their grandparents. And then it moves into eight Nighttime visions or dreams that are wild and crazy, that, 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 that exist in a structure that mirrors each other. So dreams 1 and 8 and 2 and 7 and 3 and 6 and 4 and 5 Mirror and teach us the same thing. Visions 1 and 8 tell us of a ta- that the time of exile is almost over. 2 and 7 remind us of past sins of the people. 3 and 6 talk about the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the building of a new Jerusalem that will be a light unto the nations. 4 and 5 conclude with a conditional promise. A conditional promise. When we stand, when well, Amy and I stood as, as, as would-be bride and would-be groom, we, we made some promises that, that were supposed to be unconditional. But throughout our lives, we, we also have made conditional promises, and that's what we see taking place here. If you do this, then I will do that. If you clean your room, then I will give you ice cream. Are you with me? All of these dreams then conclude in a closing vision that talks about the coming of the anointed one, the coming of the Messiah, the one who would be both priest and king, the one who would represent the people before God, and the one who would rule the people with righteousness and justice. But the coming of the king, this is amazing here in Zechariah's prophecy, was conditional that would only happen on the condition of the people remaining faithful. Now, Keep that right here. Keep that in the front of your mind. That as the Israelites were being educated all of their life, they had this understanding or this belief that Messiah would come when they were faithful. Hmm. Following all of these visions, this was the belief. And the question then that, that is asked of Zechariah is when will the time of grieving stop? Is the kingdom soon to come? And the answer was the kingdom will come if you are faithful to God's covenant. And this brings us to verse 9, chapter 9, that you've probably heard that that is sort of the linchpin or the anchor of everything that was going on on that Palm Sunday as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. So chapter 9, verse 9 of Zechariah reads thus, "'Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king coming. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey.'" Those who saw Jesus riding in on the colt, the foal of a donkey that Sunday so long ago didn't greet Him in a vacuum, didn't just greet Him within their cultural context. They greeted Him within the thousands of years of history that had known that we needed someone to come and to fulfill the promise that God had made to Eve, who was coming and who was going to make good on the promise made to Noah who was going to come and who was going to undo what was broken at Babel, who was going to come and who was going to make good on the promise made to Abraham and to David and to the people through Zechariah. Many, no doubt most, greeted Jesus on that day with the full recognition that this was the fulfillment of the promise that was made to the people through the prophet. It was happening right before their eyes. It was happening in their lifetime. They were the answer. They were the Receiving the answer to yes to the conditional promise that if you are faithful, Messiah will come. And in their minds, the arrival of Jesus on that day is tied to three unmistakable facts. Facts that I often feel about myself. (laughs) The first is that they were somehow special. You ever feel that way? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest, sometimes I feel like if, if you really knew how spectacular I was, <laughs> right? Seriously, it's not always that way, right? I mean, we, we do. We, we're all manic by nature a little bit, right? So there's this little piece of us that we're afraid. You, Dan, I'm afraid that you're actually going to know who I really am, but then you won't have want, to want anything to do with me, right? There's that piece, but then there's also this piece that says, Carol, if you really knew how fabulous I was, Right? We all have those, those pieces of us, but, 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 but can you imagine the people that are, that are shouting for salvation that day? They were finally the generation that had, that had been faithful enough to see the fulfillment of the promise. The if question had been answered yes for them. The second thing that was no doubt running through their mind was that the Romans are really in trouble now. We have a champion. We have a strong man. There's a new sheriff in town, and he's one of us. And things are about to get very interesting. And the third thing is this, is that the course of human history is about to be changed forever. Now, now let's be honest. I I think that probably for for most of the folks that were watching Jesus come into the city that day… They were probably, as we so often do, right? We think about us and we think about our tribe. And they probably didn't think globally as much as they probably should have. But boy, there was no doubt in their mind as they're laying down those palm branches and their coats, as they're chanting for Jesus, that things were about to change. And interestingly enough, they were mostly right. But they, and especially the religious leaders of that day, missed the fact that Zechariah's prophecy about when the Messiah would come also carried with it a warning. And the warning was this, is that when Messiah shows up most of the people and especially the religious leaders aren't going to recognize Him. He's going to come but He's not going to look like, act like or smell like what you expect Him to. Because He's He's not going to fit or to meet the expectation that you have for the Messiah that you want. And folks, I wonder. I wonder how often this is true of me as well. That I'm looking for the warrior king to come back and to kick butt and to take names. Instead of the Prince of Peace who comes to deal with the real problem at hand the sin that's around me and the sin that's in me I wonder how often I miss this point that Jesus doesn't come riding on a war horse but on the animal of peace an interesting thing that we would miss unless we sort of immerse ourselves in the culture here is that Back in, in, in ancient times, like very deep, including the first century and then then even further back, is that is that when a, when a king would come as a conqueror, when a king would come to subdue a country, if you will, like if there had been a siege or if there had been war or, or whatever, right? If the king would come with basically the offer of cessation of hostilities as long as you, your people, your tribe would swear fealty to him, would become part of his… Sub- subjects or or subjugated group unto whoever he and his people are. When a king would come with an offer of the cessation of hostilities through power and through force, he would come riding on a war horse showing his superiority. That was kind of the the tipping point. When you saw the king coming riding on a horse, you knew it was a surrender or be an an annihilated situation. Are you with me? But when a king would come riding on a donkey… The signal was an offer of peace, a peace treaty, and so you would know that there was coming not just with an offer of the cessation of hostilities, but an offer of peace. And I wonder, folks, how often you and I treat the offer that Jesus makes on the cross as simply a cessation of hostilities between us and our Creator to where basically Jesus has come because God is so stinking mad at us that somebody had to come and to satisfy His wrath so that He doesn't come home and just slap the thunder out of His kids. But that's not the Father that we have. You see, Jesus doesn't come just to offer a cessation of hostilities. He comes to offer peace, to offer reconciliation, to make things right, to restore everything that was broken. He's not just saying, I'm not going to hold you accountable for the things that you've done wrong. He's coming and He's saying, I'm going to take all the guilt and all the shame and everything that the weight of the world that should be on your shoulders, I'm going to take that upon myself so that you can have peace. Peace with your Creator. Peace with the creation, peace with other creatures, and peace even with yourself. You see, the beginning of this final week of Jesus' life, the, the beginning of the deliberate and painful journey toward the cross, He comes signaling not that He has come just to cease hostilities, but that He has come to offer not just the peace that we think we want, but the peace that we really need. He's coming on a journey to crush the head of the serpent. He's coming on a journey to defeat sin, death, and the fall. He's coming on a journey to restore what was confused at Babel, to fulfill the promise made to Abraham, to sit on the throne of David, to bring near those who were scattered by Assyria, to rebuild what was shattered and what was abducted at Babylon, to bridge the chasm sin created between creator and creature and to invite us those who shouted for salvation on that day those who have named his name all throughout the century and millennia since those who sit in this room under the sound of my voice right now an invitation to us all of us to walk in newness of life, to participate, to not just experience peace, but to bring peace. As I was studying this a couple of weeks ago, as I was reviewing it in the Phoenix airport and then again in the Atlanta (laughs) airport… distractedly praying, Lord, please let us get back for Sunday. I thought to myself, Lord, don't let me miss you when you show up. They saw him. He was there. Ironically, he was who they thought he was. But in some very real ways, they missed him. As the worship team comes, Zechariah 9:9 is the backdrop for what we see taking place on that day. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. My prayer this morning is: Jesus, let me celebrate your presence when I see it. Let me shout your praise. Let me inherit and recline in your righteousness. Let me bask in your victory. Let me embrace the offer of peace that isn't a compromise, but an accommodation of your grace to lowly creatures. Folks, have you ever thought about that? So often we we, we think about this idea. We we shouldn't compromise. We've got to hold the line. But the reality is, is that Jesus accommodated everything to come and to meet us where we are. King Jesus has won the victory. He could have come and simply obliterated all of his enemies with one word from his mouth, but he didn't. He came and he offered peace and grace. Now get this, peace and grace even to the people that nailed him to the cross. Kindness to the folks that whipped him, exposing His body and his blood and his sinew and his bones that wrapped him in the king's garment, who placed the crown of thorns on his head. He showed kindness and grace through his restraint to those who took his very life. He showed an offer an offer of grace and mercy to the thief that was hung beside him. I have to believe that the words uttered by the centurion, surely this was the Son of God, was an act of salvific confession. (laughs) Jesus, let me bask in your victory a victory that promotes peace. Let me emulate your humility. Let today, my friends, be an ending. An ending of all those things that we we hold that need to be let go of. An offer of peace to those from whom we are estranged to those whom we hold accountable and refuse to give grace even the grace that we've received an ending to the guilt and the shame that we carry ourselves that Jesus has paid for on the cross (laughs) my friends can I invite you this morning to give yourself a break to give yourself the grace that you give to others the grace that Jesus has given to you Let today be a beginning. A beginning where we anew make it our mission to walk as Jesus walked. To do what we have seen Jesus doing. To be His emissaries in a world filled with violence and hostility. To be brokers of His peace. As we sing this last song, the invitation today is simple. Would you ask the Lord on this holy week to bring to your mind all of those things that he would say, I need you to lay down so that we might pick up the things that he's calling us to do. Today on this day of peace, let it be a day of ending but also a day of beginning. So, Father, we pray for these dear friends. We ask that you would continue to walk with us. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. And we pray that you would bring the things to mind that you would have us to lay down and the things that this Holy Week As Mike pointed out, almost two millennia after you laid down your life, what are the things are you're asking us to lay down? And, Lord, as next week as we celebrate the resurrection, what are the things that you're asking us to pick up? We love you. We thank you and we praise you. We anticipate and we hope for the good that you are about to do in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just as we do each
1: week, we're going to respond in song to how the Lord is speaking to our hearts, and then we can respond to Him um, in worship and praise. We also can use this time to worship Him through our tithes and offerings. Um, Just like I say, each week, the QR code is on the screen behind me or on the um, chairs in front of you or back on the table. There's a bucket as well if you'd like to give that way or through the website or app. But let's use this time to, to worship and respond.
3: Zechariah ends with Jesus actually, with the Messiah, riding into Jerusalem, not on a colt, but on a war horse. It mirrors what we see in the book of Revelation, where it shows Jesus coming to defeat everything that stands against Him. And what's interesting is that in the book of Revelation, it shows us this picture of Jesus riding in on a horse with His robes dipped in blood. And many of us automatically assume that that's the blood of his enemies, but it isn't. It's his own blood. You see, the Prince of Peace has come to make peace through his own blood. So that when he comes as warrior king, there is no rival. There is no equal. There is only one who has already made peace through His work on the cross, in the grave, in the celebration of life that we will participate in next Sunday morning. As we journey through this week, friends, we've been invited to celebrate a, a meal together, and that's in your own homes with anyone that you would like to invite, but... The Monday Thursday, it, it, it means command. It talks about this, the idea of Jesus celebrating the Last Supper. It's, it's rooted in the story of, of Passover. It's very Gentile and it's very Christian, what we're going to be doing. But it's, it's offering three toasts that anchor us in the work of Jesus. On Friday night, we'll be back here again, not to have Easter on Friday night, but to celebrate the great cost that sin demanded that Jesus paid. And it will be dark and it will be somber and it will be a time of lament. And Sunday morning, we'll gather here again seven days from now. And toward the end of that service, you'll hear me read these words. For what I receive from the Lord, I also pass on to you the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me allow this week to be a time where we remember him and his work and in the same way, Paul goes on, after supper, he, Jesus, took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Listen, listen. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, what do you do? You proclaim the Lord's death, the Prince of Peace, who has come to set all things right until he comes. This week is a week where we look back, but we look forward to the King who has come and made peace and who will come again and set all things right. So, Father, this week as we journey, I pray for all of those this morning that are here, all of those that are away, that will be back with us next week. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us walk through this week in a way that brings honor to you, where we remember who you are and what you've done where we celebrate the things that we have to be thankful for Lord where we remember the high cost that you paid for our sins and the sin of the entire world and Lord the opportunity that we have next Sunday as we do every Sunday but in a special way to remember and commemorate the fact that you have defeated death not by avoiding it but by surrendering to it and overcoming it so Lord we love you We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Go in his peace.